Welcome everyone, I am Michael, your host for Depaganizing the Gospels. In this episode, I will be presenting the discussion of notes about the depaganization of the testimony of Luke, chapters 5 and 6. The first note to discuss in this episode is about the event of the Great Catch, which appears in verses 4 through 11. The story of the Great Catch does not appear in either Matthew or Mark but it fraudulently appears in John at the end of his testimony. This is the first miracle occurring in the life of Jesus after his anointing with the Holy Spirit. Heretics will claim that turning water to wine was the first miracle, but it is a completely fraudulent occurrence that only appears in the fourth testimony, which is a complete fraud. The miracle of the great catch was the very first because it proved to his disciples that they should follow him. The event is one small piece of irrefutable evidence that the testimony of John was a complete fraud. The evidence appears in John's testimony, but it has been moved to the end of the story. The appearance of this story in this testimony attributed to Luke may have actually been told by Peter to him and others. This event is one of only a few within the testimony of Luke that is truthful. The next note is about verse 12, which says... While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Leprosy is a skin disease that still exists today to a much lesser degree than it did in the time of Christ. It still afflicts people in Africa and the Middle East because of a lack of sanitary conditions and civilized living. The use of soap has probably had a lot to do with the decline of this disease in more civilized nations, but it still occurs in undeveloped countries. Leprosy can be cured with antibiotics, but it can be crippling if untreated. It is similar to psoriasis or eczema. Washing with clean water and soap on a regular basis can lead to remission of the infectious illness without antibiotics for some persons with strong immunity. The next note is about the omission of verse 14. The verse, Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them, has been omitted. It is evidence of the Antichrist. The concept of offering a sacrifice according to the laws of Moses is Antichrist. It is oppositional to the truth of Christ that he would tell someone to make a sacrifice according to the laws of Moses when his mission as the Messiah was to end the pagan sacrifices and revoke the laws of Moses that the heretics were using to oppress the population under Roman rule. The inclusion of this ideology is irrefutable evidence that pagan heretics editorialized the text of the New Testament and those who committed this crime were Antichrist. They were the Romans who created Catholicism. The next note is to explain a correction in verse 20, which now says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, Your faith has healed you, and your sins are forgiven. This passage was plagiarized from the other testimonies. It has been corrected to be consistent with corrections made in other testimonies. Jesus could not forgive sins because he was not God, and only God can forgive sins. Pagans intentionally attributed lies to Jesus as a blasphemy of Almighty God, and Jesus cannot forgive sins. Jesus has the authority to proclaim the forgiveness of sin for the act of repentance and faith because that is the power of Fanuel. God's eternal truth is that Jesus delivered the message of repentance for God's forgiveness 
and the hope of everlasting life in the Holy Spirit. The message of Christ was not that He was God in the flesh or that He died for the forgiveness of sin. Christ was murdered because of humanity's sinfulness. The next note is about a correction in verse 24, which now says, So that all may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to heal the sick and proclaim forgiveness for those who repent. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. This verse has also been corrected to achieve consistency with a depaganization of the other testimonies. Jesus followed the path of Phanuel, whose powers were repentance for forgiveness and the hope of everlasting life. Raphael's gift to Jesus was healing and the management of spirits, and Michael's gift was the knowledge of truth and prophecy. Only God can forgive sins. But Jesus proclaimed forgiveness for those who repented because it was God's gift to mankind delivered by Fanwell as described in the book of Enoch. The next note is about the omission of verse 39. The statement, And no one after drinking old wine once the new, for he says, The old is better, was contrary to the meaning of the parable and not from a primary source. The parable appears in all three synoptic testimonies with only this one difference that was a curse now omitted. All throughout this testimony, there are these added statements preceded with the word and or but. This is a linguistic clue that proves all of these additions to the testimonies are evidence of plagiarism and fraud committed by the heretic Luke. The next note is an explanation of the mission of chapter 6 verses 1 through 5. The Lord of Sabbath passage appears as plagiarized texts in all three of the Synoptic Testaments. Jesus would not have exalted himself in this manner, and the reference to Scripture is also inaccurate and unacceptable as a blasphemy of God by deception. This tale has been the source of confusion and dispute for hundreds of years because it is a curse. The curse has been removed, and no one need to give it any more wasted thought. The next note is about verse 12, which says, On one of these days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. If Jesus were God, why would he spend the night praying to himself? The answer is obvious. Jesus was not God. The pagan morons who have claimed that Jesus was Son of God and God in the flesh have illogically profaned God by their falsehoods, and their idiocy is exposed by the text itself. They editorialized the testimonies in order to support the fraudulent theology of Catholicism, but they were too ignorant to conceal their fraud. Thanks be to God, for it is God who is worthy of our gratitude that those morons were not able to completely prevent humanity from knowing the truth. Nothing is impossible for God, and the inclusion of this passage in the text had the purpose to prove it. God has purposely ensured that this text could be depaganized and prove the eternal truth. Jesus was not God in the flesh, and he would not have been praying to himself. The next note is about an omission in verse 30, which now says, Give to everyone who asks you, the statement, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back, has been omitted because it follows the editor's pattern of using and to add statements not in the original testimony. 
This technique of fraudulent editing has been identified previously and it comprises a majority of the falsehood added to this testimony. The added clause is usually ungrammatical and makes the sentence a run-on. While it might seem to be the right thing not to demand back what was taken, it is a fraudulent addition and a curse. The next note is about an omission of fraud and correction in verse 35, which now reads, But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. For those who do you harm or treat you disrespectfully, you are right to forgive and pray for them because only God will determine their just reward on judgment day. God punishes the wicked and ungrateful, and God rewards the thankful and righteous. The statement, then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, has been omitted because it was heretical fraud in its entirety. The epithet Most High without the required preceding word God is a reference to Satan, and the phrase comes from the satanic cult that injected Melchizedekian curses into the text during the Second Temple period and during the first century A.D. The truth is that God is not kind to the ungrateful and wicked. God punishes the ungrateful and the wicked. The sons of the Most High is a name Satan and his followers have chosen for themselves. And the epithet is without the word God, which has the intent to be a subliminally confusing curse. It was a pagan heretic who edited this text to create these curses throughout the New Testament. The identification of this fraud comes from the Holy Spirit, and omitting these pagan curses is a matter of depaganizing this text. The next note is about a change in verses 41 and 42. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the log in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the log in your own eye? First, take the log out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The use of plank instead of log is evidence of how the pagan editors attempted to conceal their fraud by creating variations while plagiarizing the text of other testimonies. The word plank is also an anachronism that reveals the date of occurrence for this fraud to have occurred in the late 13th century A.D. The closest Greek cognate similar to plank is the word phalanx which is not even similar to the cognate in Latin or Greek for the word log. Depaganizing these testimonies involves ensuring that all of these plagiarized passages have been identified and corrected to be consistent. And this passage has contained a clue about the timing of the editorialization that occurred for this testimony to have been during the Middle Ages, the same as others already identified. The original paganized text had slight variations that were intended to mimic truth and exposing them with consistency is not the same as the fraud committed by pagans. It is clearly being stated here that there is intent in this effort to create consistency without being fraudulent about it and identifying the reason for these corrections. There is no effort to deceive here, but there was definitely an effort to deceive in the Middle Ages. The next note is about verse 46. Why do you call me Lord and do not do what I say? Changing the word to be lowercase lord clarifies that Jesus was not exalting himself. This statement is altered from what appears in Matthew, and it had the clear intent to be more emphatically insinuating that Jesus exalted himself as God. Under the fraudulent theology of Holy Trinity, this editorialization supported 
the heretical implications of the paganization of the text. It was a curse that has been removed. The next note will be the first note made about chapter 7 in verse 2, which now reads, There a wealthy man's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. As shown previously in Mark's testimony, referencing a Roman centurion as having faith in Jesus is evidence of fraud. It is true that Romans believed in the concept of God impregnating a human female to have babies that were gods on earth, but the inclusion of this passage had the intent to support the fraud of Catholic doctrine, which is based on the false ideology of Roman mythology. Altering the passage to simply state the person was wealthy at least gives some value to the incident to show how someone can have faith regardless of class or position in society. It supports how Jesus met with people like Matthew, who was a tax collector. The next note is in relation to the previous one. Verse 4 and 5 are the focus, which say, When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. Without the alterations made in verse 2, the statement proved that Luke was a pagan Roman who wanted to discredit the Jewish people by inferring that pagan Romans were believers in the Jewish God. And this statement is evidence of fraud and pagan editorialization. The Romans did not build Jewish synagogues in the time of Christ anywhere in Judea. They would have torn them down instead. It is true that the converted Romans built temples later in time, but not ever during the life of Christ. The addition of this statement indicates that some of this editing took place several hundred years after Christ as well as during the Middle Ages. The curse has been removed. The next note is about verse 16, which says, They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to his people. This is acceptable testimony that truthfully describes Jesus to be a prophet, not God or Son of God. God sent Jesus to help the people. While this event does not appear in other testimonies, it is relevantly possible that it was told to Luke by one of the apostles. There is no evidence that the description of this event has the implications of sorcery, magic, or paganism by its inclusion. The next note is about the omission of verse 17 through 23. The description of John the Baptist sending some of his followers to question Jesus was fraudulent. John the Baptist was in prison when Christ conducted his ministry and he would not have sent anyone to inquire if Jesus was the Christ because he was in prison. They don't give you visiting hours in Roman prison. John the Baptist was Elijah, and he had always known who Jesus was. Even when he first saw him and baptized him, there is no plausibility in the fabrication of this event because it is contradictory to all the testimony regarding the moment Jesus and John met at his baptism. The following speech about John is retained because it does not contradict any other part of the testimonies. And Jesus may have spoken things about John before knowing he was Elijah. Jesus did not know that John was Elijah until the transfiguration event. The next note is about a correction in verse 27, which says, This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me. And he for whom you are waiting shall suddenly come to the temple of the Lord, even the messenger of the covenant, in whom delight, behold, he shall come. The misquote of Malachi chapter 3 verse 1 has been corrected. 
It was another example of fraud committed by the heretical editors. A careful examination of the prophecy will further reveal the entire truth that actually discredits the concept of Holy Trinity. That's right, read the rest of it. The messenger prepared the way for God as Emmanuel, the Holy Spirit, and for the Christ who was the messenger, me and he. Pagans intentionally misquoted the prophecy because it disproves their theology. The intentional avoidance of truth with inaccuracy was the idiotic technique used by those ancient heretics who also rejected the inclusion of the book of Enoch, which completely disproves the theology of Catholicism to have been heretical fraud. Their response to this truth is to say that the book of Enoch is a fraud, despite there being factual evidence otherwise in translations of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Today, heretics still refuse to accept the book of Enoch and still proclaim it is a fraud, but those heretical theologians are the Antichrist, demonically possessed and cursed for saying Jesus is the Son of God. The next note is one of great importance to explain the omission of verse 28. The phrase, among those born of women, was an insult, which meant there was no man as father. In Hebrew, the word is mamzer, but loosely translated, it means bastard. It has the opposite meaning to son of man. A pagan Roman who did not study the book of Enoch would not have known this, but a demonically possessed heretic would have added this phrase as heresy and blasphemy. In Enochian prophecy, those who call the chosen one son of woman will be rejected by God on judgment day. It is a blasphemy to say God impregnated a human female because God punished his sons for doing this. The heretics who created this text knew the truth, and they were antichrist. The next note is about a correction in verse 48, which now says, And Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven by your faith in God and your repentance. The pagan editors attempted to portray Jesus as God by excluding the truth of what Christ's message was. Jesus could not forgive sins because only God can forgive sin. Jesus was not God and he could not forgive sins. He had been given the message of forgiveness and he clearly taught repentance in God's forgiveness. He did not, nor could he ever forgive any man his sins against God. Jesus could only forgive those who trespassed against him, which is the same as every man who forgives others in the same manner. The last note is about verse 50, which says, But Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The statement is an accurate representation of God's eternal truth. Christ revealed the truth of how God forgives sin for the faith of those who believe and repent. A person's faith and repentance are what enables God's forgiveness. It was the misunderstanding of men in the time after Jesus who kept others from understanding this message. It was pagans and heretics who have perverted the message of Christ by proclaiming that Jesus forgives sin and editorialize the text to prove their fraudulent theology. Only God can forgive sin, but it is the act of repentance and true faith that allows Jesus to proclaim the forgiveness of sin for those who believe in the truth of his message, repent of sin, and accept the Holy Spirit. The truth of Christ's message becomes revealed by depaganizing the text to eliminate the fraud and highlight the truth. Well, that is all for this episode. There's been quite a lot of truth revealed here, and I hope that everyone listening is ready to know some more of it. 
Be sure to subscribe for notifications. Thank you for listening. I am Michael.